Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Grab your seats, if you will. I just had a dad come up to me right in between this turn of service here, and he said, hey, it was my son's first time at Desperation Conference, and he has not stopped talking about it. He hasn't stopped singing. He hasn't stopped praising God. Something in him changed. And as we come into the presence of the Lord today, what I want you to imagine is that we're stepping into the river of what God has been doing here already this week. We're not starting fresh today. We're, God's been moving in this room and prayers have been ascending and, and people have been kneeling at the altar and people have given their lives to Jesus this week. And there's, we're just getting caught up into the flow of what's already going on. So let's, let's just trust the Lord to speak to us today. We're in week seven of our series asking the question, how do I dot, dot, dot. And we're looking through the Proverbs and today we're going to say, how do I raise my children? Now, just a couple of little thoughts here before we get started. I'll read the text in a second. The first thing I want to say is this is not just a talk for biological parents. Very often in the church, we have uh, made having a family sort of the ultimate sign of success. And what it ends up telling single folks or people who haven't had children is that you haven't arrived there yet. And I'm here to rebuke that lie in Jesus' name, okay? Can we just level the playing field and say that that's not true? We've got spiritual parents here in this place. We've got Sunday school teachers and aunties and uncles. We've got school teachers and administrators and influence. All of us have influence in the lives of those who are coming up. And so this talk, how do I help raise up people in the way is for all of us. And I'll say to you that Jesus wasn't a parent and he did just fine. John the Baptist wasn't a parent and he did just fine. And, and the Bible is full of stories of people who didn't have their own little families and they were deeply significant. So the playing field is level. This is a talk for all of us. The second thing is I do not stand here as an expert. There are no experts, by the way. I stand here as someone who is a parent myself and I'm deeply sobered by that reality. I stand here as someone who has asked questions of my friends who have parented way longer than me. You hear that I've got a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old like, oh, bless your heart, baby. Isn't that so precious? I'm not standing here as an expert. I'm standing here as one who is sobered by this responsibility and also one who has paid a lot of attention to the scriptures. And, and today what I want us to do is come into the wisdom of God and say, Lord, teach us how to raise these ones. So here's Proverbs 22, verse 6, an iconic passage that many of us have heard. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. Today we come into your presence and we've worshiped and we've, we've lifted our hands to you and we've given of our resources and Lord, we're here in your presence because we believe that you are the God who speaks, you're the God who instructs, you're the God who raises us up by your life-giving word and so Lord, do that today. I pray that you would silence the voice of the enemy and that you would shut down all of the lies that lead to our shame and condemnation and guilt and I pray Lord that you would sweep us up and to the newness of what you're doing by your spirit. So Lord, we pray, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. May 28th, 
2007, I will never forget it. Lisa Carroll, my wife, we went in on her birthday, May 27th, 2007, and she was pregnant with our first child, our daughter, Lillian Carroll Grothy, and I was going, let's go, you got this baby, let's, you know, consolidate, you can have a baby on your birthday, we'll just have, you know, two birthdays on one day. She said, I'm not mature enough to share birthdays, so she waited. <laughs> Early the next morning, Lillian Carroll Grothy was born right before she was born, uh, you know, things seemed to be going okay, but then the alarms start going off in the room. Ding, 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 ding. And all of a sudden, eight people rush into the room and they're, it, it's intense. Uh, the, the environment switches and Lillian's oxygen levels plummeted and, and Lisa, they've got her on oxygen and apparently the umbilical cord was wrapped twice around Lillian's neck. And so Lillian was born, she came out just purple and she wasn't, she, you know, you couldn't get it, she couldn't cry, she couldn't say, and finally, after, you know, a minute or so they got her to like eke out that first sound and then finally 30 seconds later that first scream that we had been waiting for and they put her in that little hot plate you know and I, and then I went over and just laid over her like this my first little human that Lisa and I brought into the world and and I know this will shock most of you but I just broke I sobbed Pastor Grothy getting emotional? No, but I was sobbing, you know, like guttural. And, and I'm thinking Lisa's probably going, I'm the one that did the work, she, you know? And then I went over to Lisa and I just hugged her and I sobbed all over again. And here this life is and what an incredible gift. That's what I remember thinking is, Lord, how good are you? And then I thought, Lord, what a responsibility. Lord, help us to train her up in the way that she should go, that when she's old, she will not depart from it. That's what Solomon says to us today, train up a child. But the question is, how do we do this? I'm gonna give five statements today, and I'm not here to posture these as five universal truths that if you plug and play these formulae, that everything will go right and life will be airtight. That's not what I'm saying. But five things that I think, if you were to, to look throughout the life of scripture, these are five truths that can stand. So I'll put five things in front of us today about training up children in the way. Number one is the temptation is to think that training is done primarily by telling, but telling will never hold a candle to showing. Hey, do this, do that, go there, stop that. And, and telling, telling, telling. Now we will tell, we will have to tell and we'll have to read and we'll have to reason and there will be the late night conversations sitting on the bed. And absolutely there is telling that's involved with training up children in the way that they should go. But telling will never hold a candle to showing. I, uh, there's a little boy that's in our world and his dad is one of my dear friends and his dad is a builder, home builder. From the time this little boy was three, four, five years old, he always had tape measure on his belt, you know? <laughs> tape measure, I'm three, I need a tape measure, you know? Walking around with a little drill here and a hammer in his, you know, tool belt, and he's always just miter saw and pulling out tape, and, and he walks in and says, Mr. Grothy, that's not level. That thing on your wall is not level. I'm like, shut up. Uh, <clears throat> not really, I wanna say that. 
But he, you know, he just sees the problem. He's ready to fix it. He knows how to do stuff. Why? Because telling will never hold a candle to showing. His dad is always having him do projects with him. Hey, come here, son. Let me teach you how to do this. Hey, grab me that and let's cut this board and let's measure this to 38 and three, you know. Telling will never hold a candle to showing. What do doctors do? Doctors go into school for years and they learn and they learn and they learn and they're reading and they're in their books and they're doing three by five cards with little definitions on them and all this. But at some point, they've got to start putting their hands on it. They call doctors who have offices, they've got practices. Why? Because you practice medicine. You don't just think medicine. You do it. You put it in your hands and... Telling is important, but it will never hold a candle to showing. Now think about, step back for a minute, when we're not in the heat of the moment as parents. And if we could just step back and think about all the things that we do that are silly and counterproductive uh, when we're telling our kids. I mean, the irony of shouting at a kid to be quiet. Be quiet! That's a mixed message. (laughs) I don't understand what you're saying because you're, I can't, you're so loud I can't hear you. When we tell our kids, you know, they're being mean and so we get mean to tell them to be nice. Be nice, furrowed brow. Like, I, what? Telling will never hold a candle to showing. And Paul comes along to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 11 and he says, Follow me as I follow Christ. Let me show you what it looks like. And God told us through the scriptures and God told us through the 10 commandments and God told us through the prophets, but ultimately telling wasn't going to be enough to do the heavy lifting. And so what does he do? He sends his son to show us what love looks like in bodily form, what love looks like with our, our neighbors, what love looks like with our enemies, what love looks like with those who are wishing our, our evil. Jesus comes and he doesn't just tell us, Jesus embodies it and Jesus shows us. And I'll say this, our kids will listen to what we say, but they will most often mimic what they see in us. Second thing I wanna say is there's a shelf life on the style of parenting that primarily leads from a position of authority. You ever been around someone who is very confident in their position of authority? They may not have built much relationship, but they've just got authority, they've got a title. You know, let me show you this little picture here. Anyone remember this guy? Family Von Trapp. He's blowing the whistle and his kids march out in their uniforms and they're doing this, all seven of them and they, you know, Command and control works great in war, but it doesn't work great with raising children. And family Von Trapp, doctor, or Captain Von Trapp was trying to lead with his position of authority. And like, kids will respond to that. They, they understand that there is a position of authority, but there's a shelf life on it. And, and I wanna say, if you're primary, primarily leading from your position of authority, what will you lean on when you are no longer in a position of authority? When that, you know, it's a ticking clock. One, two, 15, 18, 20. At some point, there's going to be a moment where life pivots. And if you haven't built that soft space of heart connection and relationship with your child, then, then your authority goes away like that when your position of authority goes away. Very often, 
We want to lead from this position. And let me just clarify, look, there are times where because I said so works, <laughs> like it's necessary. I'm not trying to get all soft here and act like, like there are situations where you just say no because you know more than they do and it's the right thing. And there are times when you just lead unapologetic, like go, get in the car, don't say anything, put the belt on. Because God gave you to me as, as my child, that's why. <laughs> like th that happens, but if that's all we ever do, if that's the only gear we ever know how to shift into, I think it will get old. Parenting from a place of heart connection is parenting that will span the decades. Not just the position of authority, but a heart connection. Lisa does this so beautifully. And our daughter Lillian's 14 and, and every night I'll tuck, tuck them all in and pray blessing and all this. But then I'll, I'll leave for a bit and Lisa and Lillian sit down on the bed and they just have this mom daughter thing that is holy ground. And that is something that when Lisa's 80 and Lillian is, is 60, they will never, you won't be able to take that from them. Parenting from the place of heart connection is parenting that will span the decades. The third thing I wanna say is so much of parenting is getting your children in the right environments. Getting your children in the right environments. That's why this dad was able to come over to me and say this week changed my teenage son's life. There's certain things, all of us as parents, we have gaps, we have shortages, we have deficiencies, we have flaws. None of us are airtight. None of us are the total package, which is why you need the body of Christ to step in and be for your children what only the body of Christ can be. At Desperation Conference, there were multiple people who came up to that young teenage boy and patted him on the shoulder and said, good job, man of God, we see you, you're going for it. God's gonna use you for, you know, let's lift your hands and he was watching people model something for him that was broadening out the influence that his parents could give. There's something about getting your children in the right environments. We have three and they're all in soccer and basketball and we're, we're busy with sports. I'm, I'm all for extracurricular. Lisa and I both played college sports. So don't hear me saying that that's wrong. Absolutely, it's good. But, but I hear people out on the sidelines and out on the basketball court, parents talking to me while our kids are practicing. And they'll say things like, yeah, this is just our community right here. This is our family. These are our people. And I think to myself, I'm going, okay, so like the most important and the most valuable thing that you're rallying around is sport? Interesting to me. The most like, like these are your people, why? Because competition is the thing we're gathering around or, or hard work is the thing. All of that's great. Hard work and competition and sport, it's all excellent and it's character building. I, I'm for that. but. You know who my people are <laughs> for my kids? You, right here, you are my people. People who open up the scriptures and say, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And people who say, you know what? The way forward is the way of repentance. The way forward is the way of humility. People who gather under the old rugged cross and say, Jesus Christ is Lord and we will worship him now and forever because he is the one who was and is and is to come. You know who my people are and you know who I want my children around? People like Tim down here who opens up his heart and who opens up his home and who opens up his pocketbook to say the kingdom of God is bigger than my little kingdom. When people say to me, are just these, these people in gymnastics or this, this group over here in music, th those are my people. I think, do you realize what you're missing out 
on. All of us are deficient. All of us have gaps. And when I look out here last night, we had the Parks family over and they came over and we laughed as a family, their five and our five, the 10 of us, we had pizza and we had ice cream and we laughed harder than we've laughed in a month. And we all went to bed super happy and we woke up this morning going, what a blessing, why? Because we want to be around people who are following after Jesus with heart, soul, mind and strength and people who are kind and people who know how to forgive each other. And our time last night made our family better. So much of parenting is getting your children in the right environments. This is why we get up out of bed on Sunday morning and do the hard work of throwing clothes on kids and buckling them up in the car. And and it would be so much easier to sit in my bathrobe and drink my coffee while I watch you all worship. And, And online is great for what online can be, but there's nothing like being together with the people of God in the right environment. So let's be those people who gather together in the house of the Lord, people who live our lives among the saints. The fourth thing I want you to hear today is that parenting is not just about helping kids become more like Jesus. Parenting is about helping parents become more like Jesus. We think, oh, God's given us these kids and we have gotta do the hard work and raise them up and teach them in the, no. Kids are teaching us in the way that we should go if it's happening right. Jesus said, these kids run up to him and all the adults want to get serious and hey, you're messing church up, get out of here. And Jesus goes, hey, come here, come here, come here. Let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them for such is the kingdom of heaven. He's kissing them on the cheek and sitting them on his knee and they're, you know, he's, hey, tell me what's your name. And, And Jesus turns to all the serious adults and he goes, hey, you must become like one of these little ones or you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Parenting is about children being raised up in the way that they should go. And parenting is also about parents becoming more like Jesus. My children have taught me how to trust and my children have taught me how to worship and my children have taught me how to give generously without a second thought. And my children have taught me how to forgive. Have you ever noticed children, take them to a playground and turn them loose. They run up to total strangers and they start hugging them. Hey, you're my best friend in the whole world. That's weird. For adults. And then Jesus goes, hey, look at the little kids and become like them because such is the kingdom of heaven. This week at Desperation Conference, my little boy Wakely was here illegally. Our two older ones were here legally, but he's nine and he's a part of our family. And I was up here working and Lisa was up. So he was a part of the conference illegally. And uh, he ran back in uh, and, and found me and I go, hey, Wakely, it was during one of the breaks. I said, can, can I get you some food? He goes, no, I just ate. And I go, well, how did you eat? And he said, well, I was out at the food trucks in the, in the, in the parking lot and I ate. And I said, well, where did you get the money? He said, I asked somebody. I said, who did you ask? He goes, Jackson Baker, Jackson Baker. Brad is, you know, Jackson's 16. And, and I said, well, how much did he give you? He goes, $10. And I said, Wakely, Jackson's gonna think that I'm, you know, defaulting on our mortgage or something. Like, <laughs> oh, Pastor Grothy can't pay his bill. So here I am feeding his little nine-year-old. 
Jackson loved it and Wakely loved it. And I thought to myself, just in, in a snap moment, I thought, how many of us come to church needing something, but we're too embarrassed to ask? We're too proud to ask. How many of us need someone to lay hands on us and pray for us at the end of service, being in the presence of the Lord, but we go out to our cars because we wouldn't want to intrude on anyone or wouldn't want to be a burden or, or we're just too proud to ask. Friends, this is what being a part of the body of Christ is about, opening up our lives to share with each other. And my children teach me that all the time. Parenting is not just about raising up children. It's about parents becoming more like Jesus as their children teach them. So parenting, I can sum it down to this. Parenting is about humility. Parenting is about knowing when Jesus wants to teach you something through your little ones. The fifth thing that I want to say today is that the task is not to teach children how to do it right all the time. That's impossible. The task is to show them what to do when you do it wrong. (laughs) It's not just about trying to make airtight humans to show them how to do it right all the time. That'll never happen. But when you don't do it right, what do you do? I remember growing up in my house, my dad's 6'6", big, tall guy, and and when you're this tall, 6'6 six, six is mass. I mean, like, this is a continent of a human being. Wow. And when my dad would, would be, be, you know, rude or, or short or, you know, not short, you know, curt. He, he was never short. Uh, when he would be curt, you know, or, you know, when he would mess up, what he would do is he would come and level the playing field. With his big height, he would get down on a knee and he would say, Daniel, I am so sorry I was wrong. And can I just tell you that some of, those are some of the most powerful words on the planet today. I'm sorry I was wrong. In a world that has to win, in a world that has to be right, in a world that has to get the last word to just put a period on the end of it. I was wrong with no explanation and no excuse and no, you pushed me into the corner and you made me be short-tempered with you. That's not an apology. That's blame shifting. I'm sorry, I was wrong. And you know what little kids will do in this moment when, when important adults in their lives say, I'm so sorry, you know what they'll say? It's okay. And my dad would say, no, it's not. That was wrong of me and I'm sorry and there's no excuse for it, please forgive me. The task is not to show your kids how to do it right all the time. The task is to show them what to do when you do it wrong. And what you do is you, 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 you humble yourself and you repent and you retenderize the situation with kindness. And I think if we will live this way, we'll re-inject the world with tenderness and humility and kindness and forgiveness. If children can learn to do this in our homes when they're under the safe canopy of our care, then they'll go out on Facebook and do the right thing when they're 30. If kids can learn how to do this safely in our homes and learn how, what to do on the playground when some bully says the wrong thing to them, then they can go to college and they'll know how to address that bully that shows up. If we can teach what to do when you do it wrong in our homes now, the world will be a better place. The world will look more like Jesus Christ who turns the other cheek when someone comes at him. Friends, this is holy work. This is so important. 
And parenting isn't just about raising up kids. Parenting is about parents becoming more like Jesus. Now, two things I wanna do here as we come to a close is first I want to address shame. Because as a preacher, I can see it in a room like this when I start talking about this and I open up the scriptures. Very often the devil comes right in and starts whispering in all of our ears going, oh, I remember when you messed it up there. And oh, your kid, yeah, you raised them up in the way that they should go. Well, if that were true, they wouldn't have departed. And, and, and obviously you messed it up and obviously you didn't. The, the enemy lies and tries to heap on condemnation and guilt and shame and Paul comes along in, in Romans 8 verse 1 and he says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death and, and, and I know we're all trying to do our best and we're all working with what we know and today I'm here to say to you parents who the enemy is lying to and trying to make you feel guilty there is no shame in Jesus name can we say amen together today and the second thing that I want to say is the story is not over <laughs> for those of you who do have prodigals the story is not over for those of you who wish you had done something different 20 years ago, the story isn't over. You know, one of the most beautiful things I see in all of the world is parents who really age well in their parenting who come into these moments where they are tender and they have heart-to-heart -heart connection with their kids and they've repented over things. You know, it's just never too late to say, I'm sorry. It's never too late to start building a heart connection. It's never too late to go, you know what? Let's develop something. One of my heroes in the faith, one of my heroes in the faith, as I've gotten to know him longer and longer, he has so much regret about his parenting early on. But now I see him and his children, his children who are in their 50s and they have patched things and it's a beautiful story that they're living out. And so I'm here today to tell you that it is never too late. And Jesus knows the ache of a parent. In Luke chapter 15, he gives us one of the most iconic stories in all of the New Testament. And he tells the story about the prodigal who was raised well. He was raised at home, he, was, he, he lacked nothing. This is a family of faith. This is a family who paid their taxes on time. This is a family who when they said it, their word was good. This is a good family. And this young boy grows up and for some reason he wants his dad dead, but his dad's not dying fast enough. So give me my money because I'm going to go write my own story. Can you imagine the heartbreak that that would cause in you as a parent? And the boy goes off into the far country and he squandered all of his wealth on wild living and it says in Luke 15, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and the prodigal began to be in need and so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. I'll stop here and tell you that we have pigs at our place, we have pigs. This is nasty. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that they were feeding the pigs. No, my kids go feed the pigs because it's nasty. Like I'm making them do it. It's their, those are their pigs. It's gross. There's dirt. They're mucking it out. They're digging it and they're rolling in it and it stinks and, it, and there's flies everywhere. 
This boy who had grown up in such a beautiful story, who lacked nothing, is now at the very end of his rope and he's going out trying to eat the food that the pigs are getting. Says in verse 17, after a time of that kind of living, when he came to his senses, and I think these are some of the most important words in all of scripture. That all of us have been in the pigsty at one time or the other. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have wandered off into our own far countries. Whatever our stories look like, we've all lived this. And at some point by the power of the Holy Spirit, we came to our senses. And what I'll say to you today, parents, parents of prodigals, pray this prayer. Lord, let her come to her senses. Lord, let her come to her senses. Lord, let her come to the end of her rope and come to her senses. We pray that you would wear her out with your love. Lord, for our son who's gone off into the far country, we pray that you would draw him home. We pray that he would know that there's someone sitting on the porch looking for, from a long way off, ready to receive him and help him to overcome his pride and help her to overcome her shame and spirit of the living God. I pray that you'd wake him up to come to their senses. This is our job job to intercede to pray to ask the Lord to wake them up and to draw them home when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death I will set out and I will go back to my father that's the prayer that all of us have to pray over all of our children all of our time Lord, keep them home for those who have left the home. Draw them back, help them come to their senses. So would you stand with me today? And I wanna pray. I wanna have a little mini prayer meeting here today over these kids and over these parents, all of us parenting these kids. The first thing I wanna do is I wanna pray over shame. I wanna rebuke shame in Jesus' name. So if you're a parent and the enemy has tried to put that on you, I want you to just, all of us, let's just open up our hands here today. Lord, I'm asking right now, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, for those suffering under the weight of shame, Lord, I pray that you would remove it. For those who have been saddled with guilt for all these years, in Jesus' name today, I'm praying, lift that burden off of their shoulders. Jesus, you said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I pray, Lord, that you would rebuke that stuff off of them and that they would feel a lightness return today, that they would feel a hope return today, that they would feel a joy return today. Lord, that you'd give them new creativity and fresh ideas for the future today. So, Lord, free your people up from the weight that is too heavy to carry. Jesus, you bore the weight so take it off them today, I pray, in Jesus' name. The second thing I wanna pray for is for the prodigals to return. And I'm gonna ask all of you to pray with me today. Whether or not you have a prodigal, it doesn't matter. If someone else has a prodigal, they're your prodigal. <laughs> this is our burden, this is our, this is our prayer, that we are the body of Christ. And so would you just begin to pray, Lord, bring them to their senses. Lord, call them home. Lord, help them to get tired of that old way of living. Lord, today in Jesus' name, for every prodigal, we call them home. 
I pray that the pigsty would become so uncomfortable. Lord, I pray that their palate wouldn't take it anymore. Eating all the pods, what in the world? At some point we all have to wake up and go, is, is this the best life can be? And I remember my parents' house and how good it was and even the hired servants back there, how good they have and here I am. Lord, I pray that they would be done with all of the stuff that's killing them. That they would be done with all of the stuff that is ruining their lives. I pray, Lord, that they would be done with promiscuity. I pray that they would be done with drinking themselves silly. I pray that they would be done with stupid friends. Lord, I pray that you would drive away all the fools that are surrounding them and Lord, call them back home into the life of light and love and peace and call them back home into the life of the body of Christ. And devil in Jesus' name, we say, loose your hold on their lives. Let them go. And we claim them for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that they would come back home and find a party waiting for them. The right kind of party, the party that ends in joy. Kill the fattened calf and throw the robe on their back and put the ring on their finger and the sandals on their feet. My son or my daughter who was dead is now alive. Lord Jesus, call them home today church we come to the table of the Lord because only God is good <laughs> we come to the table of the Lord after every sermon because only God can feed us what we need we come to the table of the Lord at the end of every sermon because we are hungry and we need to be fed and we are thirsty and we need drink. We come to the table of the Lord to lay down our shame and our guilt and our condemnation and to pick up broken bread and shed blood of newness. Friends, today we need the life of Jesus to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. So if you'd open up your communion elements. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you take that bread and break that little wafer in half? He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Jesus is stepping into all of our brokenness today with his wholeness. He's stepping into our empty stomach situation today with bread to fill us up. Jesus is here to answer every single need that we have. And as parents, as children, as people living within the body of Christ, we know how much brokenness we live in. Jesus is here today to feed you. This is my body, which is broken for you, says Jesus. Remember me, you may receive the bread today. On the same night, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. Maybe we have some prodigals in the house today. 
And we've been praying for you and you've been hearing it and the Spirit's been wooing you home. And I just say to you today, Jesus has the cup of forgiveness for you. There's no more shame. There's no more guilt. There's newness. There's freshness today. Receive the forgiveness that Jesus has made available to you. Maybe parents, you feel the shame. You feel the sting. You feel, oh, I wish I had done. Today, drink the cup of newness. Drink the cup of forgiveness and receive the fresh start that Jesus has purchased for you in his death. This is my blood given for the remission of your sins. As often as you do this, remember me, you may receive the cup today. And now let's praise the Lord Jesus together as we sing. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of Beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus at the center of it all, Jesus at the center of Beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus, Jesus, nothing else matters, 
Church, would you open your hands today as we prepare to pray blessing? What a simple prayer and maybe the most important prayer we could pray, Jesus be the center. So Lord, I pray for us as a congregation that that would be true of us. You'd be the center of our lives. That you'd be the center of our hopes. That you would be the center of our imagination. That you would be the center, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd be the center of our homes. For those of us who have little kids coming up, be the center of bedtime (laughs) tuck-in. Oh, Jesus, please. (laughs) Be the center of bedtime tuck-in in my home, in our homes, Lord. Be the center for those who've got grandchildren, Lord. Lord, I pray that they would live as intercessors for their people coming up after them. Lord, I pray for all of us as a congregation that you would bless us and keep us, that you'd make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, lift your bright, smiling countenance upon us and grant all of us peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? I want to invite our prayer team to come down and some of you need to be like Wakely and you need to ask for prayer today. You need to put yourself out there today. You need to go home having agreed with someone in Jesus' name. So if that's you, come pray with us. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. Much love.